you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. A few weeks ago, you were talking about cat urine, and you had said professionals use white vinegar. Do you know how much you would use of vinegar to water? We built a home 20 years ago and thought we were putting in the best windows at that time, but ever since we've had leaking of air around and under the window. Is there anything we can do? I recently had a water softener installed, Okay. and my daughter now complains that the water doesn't taste as good. Do you have a question? about your home inside or out call ken the contractor hi everybody and welcome to another hour of ken the contractor i'm jim Ritt, along with ken patterson ken the contractor ken is here to answer the questions that are important to you today's homeowner you can always reach ken at 800-614-2975 or email your questions to our website that's ken the today's all about home fire sprinkler systems First, I want to talk to you a moment about the National Fire Protection Association and some of their policies. These are folks that track statistics. These are folks that encourage us and industry to do things that make living in our homes, office buildings, hotels, other public buildings much, much safer than they were decades ago. And frankly, we have some of the safest structures in the world today because of the NFPA and other organizations that help create these safe structures. But contrary to what many Americans think, our greatest risk of being injured or killed by fires, not in public spaces, it's not in hotels, not in high rises, but folks, Statistically, it's really in our homes. And NFPA has been able to, to substantiate that with some of their statistical data. And I want to touch on just a few of these to bring this point home before we talk specifically about fire sprinklers. Each year, on average, there's 366,000 home structure fires across this country. Out of that, over 2,500 individuals die in fires. 13,000 are injured, and there's 7.2 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars in direct damage to our homes across this nation every single year. Two areas, these may not surprise you, where we have the leading cause of home structure fires, and this was tracked from 2007 to 2011, 43% occur in the kitchen around cooking equipment, 16% around heating equipment, but in spite of that, Listen to this data in terms of deaths caused. The kitchen or cooking area, as I said, maybe 43%, but yet very few fatalities as a result of that. The bedroom area, where fires are caused by smoking, has 25% of the fatalities. Living room and family room have 24% of the fatalities. And smoking materials, though, cigarettes and other items that ignite these, are only responsible for 5% of these home fires. So I want you to think what that says. That says certainly that smoking inside the home causes more deaths than any other cause of fire in the home. Let's talk about fire sprinkler systems. People have asked me over the years, well, how do these things work? I see them in office buildings and commercial space. Clearly, I see them in the movies and on TV where one goes off the entire floor or 10,000 square feet of sprinkler heads go off. I'll never want a sprinkler system in my home. There are a lot of myths out there about how they operate, and I want to give you some basics on that. Now, in the first place, in most of our listing areas, in most places across the country, fire sprinkler systems are not part of the building code for single-family residential. You're going to find it in multifamily, sometimes even down to a duplex level. But in most places, it doesn't exist. That doesn't mean we can't install it on our own. You have to have a licensed professional do this, but we can choose to take this action when we're building or remodeling our home and install 
a fire sprinkler system. It ties into the domestic water service. You're not putting in special uh, devices outside like you see all these large, in some parts of the country, pipes and valves that stick up out of the ground or maybe in a special vault inside a building. None of that exists when it comes to sprinkling single-family homes. Works off the domestic water that's already coming into the house. This is a fairly simple system to install, again, but it takes a professional to do it, and it needs to be engineered. It's designed based on water flow and water pressure that you have available. And for those of you that are raising the question now or thinking, well, I'm on well water. Can I have one installed here? Absolutely, you can. It may take a pressure pump, a holding tank, but you certainly can have one installed. Perhaps if you have a lake or a stream nearby to pull water off of, that can come in in a different form beyond your normal drinking water system. So there's an option available for absolutely everyone that has an interest in installing a home fire protection system. These are installed with a special PVC type pipe, no no galvanized or steel pipes used, no copper, anything else that's extremely expensive. The heads mount in the wall or they mount in the ceiling, and you're saying, that's great. I've got kids bouncing basketballs and baseballs around in their room. I really need to be hitting these heads and having all this water spew out. These heads are available in fully recessed versions so that they will take an impact. You don't even see them in the room. You're saying, well, that's great. Then how do they activate? Well, they are all temperature activated. They are temperature sensitive. Unlike many people thinking they are activated by smoke when you burn the toast or somebody's smoking in the house, you're going to set off a sprinkler head. That is absolutely false. These are activated by heat. When the heat rises to a certain level, it allows the head to activate one head at a time based on the heat under or around that head. No other head will be activated, only the one head that's sensing the high temperature. And in almost every case, especially in home fires based on NFPA data, The single sprinkler head will do one of two things. It will either completely put out the fire before the fire department can get there in spite of how close they may be, or it will at least hold that fire, that flame in check at bay so that it cannot spread, allowing the fire department to get there and to put it out with minimal damage to the home. Now you're saying, well, I don't want my house completely flooded. These heads do a good job. Again, it's based on your your water availability, and your pressure. But typically, they're going to produce somewhere between 10 and 15 gallons of water per minute. And each home will have its own shutoff valve. Fire department shows up in two or three minutes. You get an idea of how many gallons of water may be on the floor. If they show up in five minutes at 10 gallons a minute flow, so you've got 50 gallons of water on the floor. That's smaller than a 55-gallon drum that many of you are accustomed to using. So the water damage is far, far less than anything you would have from smoke, fire within the structure. But the main thing is you're preserving life. You're protecting your family. You're protecting your pets. So these are some some things that you need to know about fire sprinkler systems. Other things that I think are important for you to be aware of is that if you're going to have one installed, the most economical time to do it is when you're building new or putting on an addition or renovating. To do it on a retrofit basis will cost you considerably more. Based on national standards, you can expect somewhere around 1.5% to 2% of the cost of the home to install private systems. And that means it's it's not put in by some, it's, it's not a commercial system, basically, but to put in a residential system. And you should not have any special fees on your water or any other impact because it operates off your normal system. Two, you do need an engineer and a properly licensed firm to design, to do the hydraulic calculations, and to install the system for it to work properly. And the third item for you to keep in mind is that in almost every place across the country, you're going to find a reasonable insurance savings 
if you have a sprinkler system installed in the home. The national average, based on 2012 numbers, was 7%. Some parts of the country up to 10%, others coming down to 5 The national average was right at 7% for homes that had a fire sprinkler system in place. Now, keep in mind, if you add to that a monitored security system with smoke and fire detectors, you may see additional percentage that gives you an average of maybe 10% or more for savings. So you have opportunities to be safe in the home, to live more comfortably, not to have the issues that you see on TV, they don't exist, and to save money. Whatever you do, be safe. If a home sprinkler system is in your future, follow these rules. Go to the website for more information, kenthecontractor.com, and do it right. Coming up next, Ken answers your questions about your home inside or out. You can reach us at 800-614-2975 or email questions to kenthecontractor.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here to answer questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email him questions to our website, and that's kenthecontractor.com. Let's go to some of those email questions right now. And our first email deals with security. It does. Sharon writes to us. She is in Arlington, Virginia. She listens to us on WKCW 1420 AM out of Manassas. And Sharon, we appreciate you listening and we appreciate your question. Let's see if we can help you. Said we live in a 200 year old home. We want to install an alarm system, but do not want a contractor coming in drilling holes throughout all the old wood and plaster to install all these wires. Said we have artwork and expensive collectibles we need to protect. Is there an alternative to wiring a system for every room in the house and our basement that's affordable for homeowners? Well, you have two questions there, actually, Sharon. One, you say, is there a system that's available for homeowners? The answer is yes, and I'll elaborate. And is there one that's affordable? The answer is also yes. When many of us think of security systems, we frequently think about some of the high-end systems that we may see in art galleries, that we may see or not see, I should say, in banks, but we know they exist, especially if you're an employee there. And the technology that is available is extremely high-end when it comes to securing or protecting things of great value. And in our public buildings, that's great. But Sharon, you and most of us don't have the kind of budget that governments and museums and other entities do. So what I want to suggest to you, as in all cases, when I talk about services, is one that you obtain at least three bids. But you want to be looking for not the traditional hardwired system. You're going to be looking for systems that use wireless technology. Now, this is extremely sophisticated, too. You can monitor this from your smartphone. From, you can activate it, deactivate it remotely. You can put cameras in. There's so many things that you can do, any of us can do as homeowners today, that's very, very affordable and allow us to have a fairly high level of security, from glass protection to motion detection, also adding to that smoke and fire detection. And by doing a number of these things, especially if you have high-end items in the home, you may find that you have a reduction in your insurance premiums for your homeowner's policy, both by having smoke and fire monitored as well as the security side for these valuables. So you want to look for a wireless system, a completely wireless system. All you have to deal with at that point are the contacts, or in some cases, if you don't want to see contacts placed on windows, you can do room-by-room motion sensors, glass-breaking sensors, a combination of those, and also heat detection sensors if you really have some areas that are quite sensitive. Don't think big dollars with lots of zeros like you're going to find for a bank or a museum. 
but think high-tech for your home. But always get at least three bids because you're going to find when you ask for a wireless system that each of these three companies are going to propose something slightly different to you. Read it in great detail. Examine the options that are there and look at the type of sensors, how often the batteries and the remote devices have to be changed, whether that's part of a service contract or whether that's something that you have to do. Also, you want to look at the monitoring side. Are you allowing this company to monitor? Are you going to an independent third party to do your monitoring? All of these are important to us when we're buying any type of smoke, fire, or security system for our home. The bottom line, though, is if you invest in this, you're going to find that you should get some payback on it. Not a lot, but some payback each year on insurance savings. But mostly, there's going to be some peace of mind that you're protecting what you have in that home and you're protecting your family. Good luck to you, Sharon. All right. Uh, we now head to Kansas, and Meredith has a question about replacing some columns out in front of the house. I think Meredith is where a lot of people are with exterior woodwork and trim on their home, especially as it ages. They're tired of maintaining it, they're, especially when it starts to rot. Now what do I do? And Meredith lives in the Topeka area said in Kansas, said the wooden support columns on our front porch have finally rotted at the bottom beyond what we think is repairable. Said, I don't want to replace them again. Said, I know there are plastic-type columns available. Would you suggest that we go this route, or should we really go back and replace it with wood? Said, I really don't want any more maintenance on this, and I have four of them to deal with. Well, Meredith, most of us just don't want to put any substantial maintenance time into our home. And that's not saying that we don't appreciate it or we don't want to protect the value of our home. The idea is we don't want our home to work us to death. We really want to enjoy it and not have to spend every waking hour, every Saturday, doing something. You have so many options today when it comes to columns as well as exterior trim for those of you that have other areas, not just columns, to deal with. I want to suggest to you, before you make any decision on wood or what you call these plastic-type columns that you examine, all options available in your market at a reasonable price, what you feel suits your budget. But some things you have to consider. One, are these wood columns, are they structural in nature or are they trim? Meaning, do you have a porch that really cantilevers off the front wall where it's tied back into the roof or the wall structure, and these are cosmetic? Or two, are they structural? Do you actually have that roof project off that uh, front wall, if you will, and I'm assuming it's a front porch. It may be a back or, or a carport. But is are the columns carrying that load? That makes a huge difference in what you need to buy and the kind of money you need to budget. Let me assume that they are structural columns because that's your worst-case scenario. We're going to talk about product then. You will find available not only wood columns. You'll find smooth columns, fluted columns. You will find fiberglass and a cement fiberglass-based type column. Those are several of the products that are readily available, pretty popular out there. You will find some that are extruded plastic, and I'll use that term loosely. They're not technically plastic. They are PVC, but they have structural integrity to support the roof. They may also be reinforced where they're plastic on the outside or PVC on the exterior, and the interior has a structural element, a steel column, or some type of galvanized material on the inside to transfer that load. You will also find that there are fiberglass columns that are available that are load-bearing. So I just want you to be exposed to the many things that are available. You're not going to find a lot of this sitting in stock in a showroom, in a big-box store, or even a local specialty trim store. 
what you're going to have to do most likely is go to any of your retail outlets, tell them what you're looking for, pick up literature. This is after you've gone online and done the research, and then have you have them price this for you. You also need to carry with you the overall length of the column and the type of trim that you want at the base and at the cap of the column or the top because this varies from one manufacturer to the other. So take dimensions of what works. Don't assume just because you refer to a 10-inch column that the cap and base trim will work in your current environment. You need to do your homework, get your measurements, the height, get the width. If it's around, get the diameter. If it happens to have a base and cap trim, get that out-to-out dimension and then go to the store Look at the variety, get your prices, and make a decision. But you will find products available that keep you from having to do any maintenance due to rot in the future. Depending on the color, you'll find some pre-colored, so you don't even have to paint them. So I think you have a lot of homework to do, but, Meredith, you do have a way of resolving that long-term maintenance issue by doing it one more time. And on the program, we always like to remind you, whatever project you may be working on this or any other weekend, don't forget to look for the Made in the USA label when you're purchasing all those different things that you need for your project. You know, just talking columns, for example, to Meredith and Topeka, you're going to find that so many of these I'm talking about are all manufactured in the USA. We do our part when it comes to buying American-made products to help people employed in this country whether it's raw materials manufacturers or the people actually producing it or getting it to you. So do your part. Look for that label. Now, when it comes to the columns, you may not find it on a particular display, but you will find it when you get ready to buy it, dealing with your big box store, with your supply store. Ask them, are these products made in America? And if not, ask them for products that are. Don't forget, you can friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor, and also follow Ken on Twitter at Ken Answers. You have a question, you can reach Ken at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. If you are successful at what you do, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a business owner, or you have a great career, you understand the concept of protecting yourself. Well, are you protecting yourself, your family, and your assets with quality term life insurance? Consider these possible rates. A man age 45 non-tobacco user could obtain $1 million of coverage for as little as $75 a month. And this rate is fixed for the next 10 years. We specialize in policy of $500,000 and above. A man age 50, non-tobacco user, may be able to obtain $500,000 of coverage for as little as $115 a month. And this rate is fixed for the next 20 years. We have great rates for smokers, too. Call the Term Lifeline now. 800-430-1481. 800-430-1481. That's 800-430-1481. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you've got a question for Ken, you can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Time now for today's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and, of course, save you money. Joining us now is Jeff Dross. Jeff is Corporate Director 
Director of Education and Industry Trends for Kitchler Lighting. Jeff, welcome to the show today. Well, thanks a lot for having me, Ken. I know you've been with this company for a number of years, and you have seen many, many changes industry-wide. I'd like to start out asking you to talk to us about the types of lighting options and upgrades, just the trends, the changes that you have seen and where we are today, the things that appeal to today's home buyers. That's a great question, Ken, because trends change. I've been in the business for um, 38 years, and things change. We have probably one or two fixtures still in the line after 38 years. So over that period of time, we've come out with thousands and thousands of styles. So I think a real key thing is to understand what the current trends are, what's popular in those in those neighborhoods, and a lot of trends are geographic, and move toward those items. So, for example, uh, if you have a little bit more traditional sensibilities, the oil rub bronze remains a pretty positive, pretty consistent finish option in lighting. It has, however, gotten a little bit less ornamented, a little uh, fewer ornamentations on the traditional pieces, a little bit cleaner designs. On the contemporary side, we're generally looking at brushed nickel and even moving into chrome into, uh, in very contemporary areas. So you have to keep uh, abreast of those trends so that when you're making those decisions, you're buying a product that uh, doesn't look dated. Now, Kitchler has design teams. They have engineers. They have people that track marketing. I mean, this is a huge organization. How do they go about determining where the trends are? Because rather than follow, you're a leader. How do you determine what styles need to be produced and manufactured, let's say, for this year or next year's home market? It's a great question. Uh, I follow trends in four different areas. I look at to understand what's happening in architecture because the, the structure, the size of the building, what's popular in the building really kind of dictate what the next trend is. For example, the two-story foyers really are not as popular as they were 10 years ago. So with a nine-foot ceiling and a single-story foyer, you have a different fixture than you use maybe even seven years ago. So architecture, related industry trends. I look at what's happening in the appliance industry, plumbing industry, floor covering try to understand what those folks are doing because we're all in the house together and we all have to play nice together, if you will. And then I look at socioeconomic trends to understand who that buyer is. The buyer is changing. Baby boomer is no longer the largest generation. It's now the Y generation. The Y generation is moving themselves up toward peak earning years and they are going to be our next customers. And then finally, I follow fashion because fashion is a very, very forward look at uh, where trends are going. How important is price point when you're looking at design and trying to couple that with the trends? Now, I know you answered that in general, and having purchased hundreds of your products over the years, I know that it really runs the gamut from an entry level to money is no object. Well, typically, the folks who are willing to take a few more risks on trends are typically have a little bit of extra money. So you are likely to see the more trend-forward product in a more expensive price point. And then, of course, builders have to be really sensitive as to how much, how many dollars they spend for each of their products. So as you start getting to a trend that a lot of folks feel comfortable with, those are typically in, in a lower price point or a moderate price point. Uh, but there's still flexibility within each of those, uh, of, of those areas, actually. So clearly you're paying attention to all of the details. They all matter. It's not just one segment of the market, high, low end, certain colors or styles, you're paying attention to the whole market. And I know as a, as a professional builder that they vary from one region of the country to the other. What's popular in the Northeast is not going to be in the Southwest. So you have to look at how we live in our homes, the styles, perhaps how we were raised, and where those trends are moving nationwide. Now, for folks that are building, this is great. They have 
they say, I've got a lot of options. You have a huge inventory and things to choose from. What about those of us in an existing home? And we know that two-thirds of the American homes were built prior to 1980, which means there are a lot of old light fixtures out there. That's right. And, and you know, uh, a lighting fixture can really refresh an interior. You know, a lot of folks think immediately about paint and uh, wall coverings, even window dressings, to try to figure out uh, that uh, how to replace those, how to change those. But a lighting fixture can make a real big difference. Uh, you can walk into a home that's 20 years old, and you can immediately notice that it is dated because it probably has a polished brass lighting fixture. Polished brass is not as popular as it had been in the past. So there are telltale signs that will let you know that things are dated. So you really have to consider lighting as a part of your renovation or your upgrade. We're speaking with Jeff Dross with Kitchler Lighting. He is the Corporate Director of Education and Industry Trends. And I want to come back to a couple other items, and that is the demise of the incandescent light bulb. We know those have gone the way of the dinosaur. We have, uh, I think, the 75-watt disappeared uh, just this past year. The ever-popular 40s and 60s go away, I think, in 2014. That by itself has changed, I'm sure, lighting styles. But whether it's new construction or retrofit, as I look through the product line, you have really moved into all of the newer lighting or lamp technology. Well, you know, you have to. It is the reality. Most folks are going to be using CFL products for at least the next five years. Possibility that LED is going to take over, but right now LED is not anywhere close to a popular price. Good LED lamp is somewhere around $40, so most are not going to purchase those. CFLs have come down to a very, very fair price. So we're making certain that when we engineer products, they're going to comfortably fit a CFL. The proportions on a CFL are essentially the same as an incandescent light bulb, but you have to remember they also have a ballast underneath the glass tube. So because of that ballast under the glass tube, it creates a slightly larger shadow. So we're looking at light glass that has a little bit more generous proportions at the base rather than a tight proportion at the base. Absolutely, it is a change and is something that we have to pay attention to. So this is not unlike other things that we deal with on a regular basis. Our car styles change, lapel, ties, hemlines, everything changes around us from year to year. And when you look at your lighting, this is one way that Jeff's telling us we can refresh the look of an existing home, and we have many, many options for that, as well as styles and type fixtures for us to look at in new home design. Jeff, we certainly appreciate you being with us today with Kitchler Lighting. Where do folks go to find out more information about the products we have discussed as well as the hundreds that are available to them? Well, they can certainly visit our website, www.kitchler.com, and there's a um, dealer locator uh, on there, and they can simply put their zip code in place and find a local retailer. It doesn't get any easier than that. Jeff Dross, we certainly appreciate you being with us today. Thanks a lot, Ken. It was a pleasure. And that is this week's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor, as Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and save money. And lighting is something, Ken, that we probably don't often think about, but it can really have a dramatic effect and change uh, the way in which you can live in certain rooms in your house. Well, that's what Jeff was talking about, and they track these trends, but it changes not only the way you feel in that room, it changes the overall appearance, and today it can completely change the lighting level and the lighting color, which a lot of folks say has something to do with how you feel, not just 
liking the room, but literally how you feel because of the different type of light that's available. There are options today that we just didn't have decades ago. Don't forget uh, that you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and also follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. If you have a question, you can reach Ken and our contact number 800-614-2975 or on the web at KenTheContractor.com. This is Ken the Contractor. Remember, a house is what you build. A home is what you make it. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Ken is here answering the questions that are important to you about your home inside and out. And we've got our handy-dandy website of the week for you. We do, and I think the majority of you will find this one very useful at some point. And I have to admit, while most of the time I come up with these, I find these, I work with them personally, I did not discover this handy website of the week. My sister brought this one to my attention. She was looking for some parts, the gear drive, in some blinds for a window. And it didn't make sense to replace the entire blind when the only thing that happened is the gear inside the upper housing had stripped. And she needed a new one. So she started digging. So I give my sister Beverly full credit for this one. You're going to like this one. It's called FixMyBlinds.com. That's FixMyBlinds.com. And, folks, I have been to this site looking at some of the things that she was trying to track down. And I want to tell you, I don't think we can look for a part that they don't have, whether it's a wand, whether it happens to be a slat, whether it's a gear drive, an end cap, a support bracket. I don't think you can come up with it for any kind of blind or any brand and not find it at FixMyBlinds.com. Having gone through their site and looked at what they have there, I'm going to tell you for all of us, not just you, not just me, but for all of us, this will be very useful around the house. That's our handy website of the week, FixMyBlinds.com. And I think that's a, a basic one. Before you get ready to get rid of anything, and I, I'm kind of impetuous every once in a while, we had a small issue on our uh, our, clothes dry, our clothes washer, and all we really needed was like a $12 part. And my wife went to the web and did the research like you were talking about. Before you get rid of anything, go to the web and kind of put in exactly if it's fix my sprinkler or if it's fix my lawnmower, go and check it out first before you get rid of it because these these niche websites have just exploded. And I'll tell you, the other thing they, they cover today are very old products, which is surprising because we're saying they don't make them anymore. I can't get a part for it. Many companies picked up the, the molds, the inventory, whatever, and they carry these things today. All right, let's go to the phone lines as Carolyn gets ready to join us right now at 800-614-2975. Hi, Carolyn. You're on the air with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Well, I have a vinyl siding on my house, and I also have shutters that, that uh, bleed. Evidently, they were painted before they were put up. And I know there's some formula that you can clean off that bleed, but I don't remember what it is, and I was wondering if you could tell me. Okay, a couple of questions for you first. The shutters, they're painted wooden shutters, I assume. No, they are not. They're metal, they're, probably plastic. They're aluminum or plastic, but someone has put a, a surface paint over it. It's not the factory finish, or is it? I, I really am not sure. Okay. Well, in some cases, it could make a difference, but I'm going to point you in a direction, and hopefully this will be helpful, because you have... Uh, I think two parts to this question. One has to do with the siding. You're looking first to clean the siding as a yes. whole, and then you also want to be able to remove this residue, this this paint uh, chalking that has uh, leached down from your shutters onto the siding, correct? Yes. And it's no doubt it, it, if you rub your fingers across it, you're going to get a pretty chalky feel to it? Yes. Okay. Then 
what you need is something that's quite simple. I'm going to give you three or four products that work very well in the industry, having been in the construction business for a long period of time. We will rely on any number of these. It just depends on what's available to you in your immediate area. A product is one is called Simple Green House and Siding Cleaner. That's Simple Green, and that's available generally through the Sears department stores or outlets. Now that's uh, they sell it in a concentrate form, but you mix this with a pressure washer, and uh, you or whoever's doing your siding, your cleaning will clean the siding, and it should take the chalky residue off also from the shutters. It will clean the shutters. Another product is called. Oddly enough, here's the name, and I'm not kidding you, it's called CRUD, K-R-U-D, Cutter, K-U-T-T-E-R. But it does work, Carolyn, so think about CRUD Cutter, and again, it's a house and siding cleaner. Generally, we find that available through Amazon, and uh, that sells for around $15. You're going to find the prices vary uh, for a, a half-gallon bottle. It seems to me that at one time I had someone working at the house and that there was something you could do with bleach. Yeah, I'm going to give you that as a, as a okay. last resort. The reason I gave you those first two is because I'm assuming, too, that you have different colors. The bleeding or the leaching from these shutters are obviously a different shutter, maybe a red, a blue, it's something with heavy. neon to gray. Yeah, it's got a heavy pigment to it. Mm-hmm. These products will do will perform a little better when it comes to cutting some of uh, that type of material than just a bleach solution. You can also use uh, a third item you probably have around the house that I've used personally, and it works quite well. And that's a car washing. I'll call it a detergent or a solution. You know, car wash detergent. Because those are designed to cut, in some cases, even tree sap uh, residue from trees, droppings from birds. Things that are natural in the element, it will remove it from your car without harming the paint. And they don't really promote it as such, but it will work to clean siding with. I've had some success with that. You ask about bleach. I would generally use bleach if there's a mold or especially a mildew situation. Bleach does not, in all cases, kill mold. It will get rid of mildew, and mildew is very difficult to remove with a pressure washer and some of these other cleaning solutions. So if you have areas around the house that stay in shadows, uh, that you've developed a little mildew, you probably want to clean that with a bleach solution first and then come back with any of these products we've just talked about. And I typically am mixing bleach to water where I'm about six parts water to one part bleach. And you'll find pretty good success rate with that. If you happen to have a very heavy mildew buildup, you may want to strengthen that a little bit, maybe go four to one on that okay. and apply it and just let it sit to get rid of the mildew. Then come back with any of these other products, including the just the car wash uh, cleaning soap that I talked about. Use that in your power washer. That will do a very good job of getting rid of all the natural elements that are clinging the, to the siding, the air pollution, all of those things, and leave you with nice-looking siding and a new-looking house. Oh, great. Now, I had another question about a railing. Okay. An iron railing that I brought, bought and had installed, and it was pre-painted. Now it's rusting. I know I have, probably have to sand it very well and clean off the residue from the sanding. But then do I need a primer? I would definitely use one. Is this in an area where you're exposed to salt chemicals, too, from the wintertime? No. Okay. but and um, But you do have rust deposits that actually sort of bubbled up at the wells or some of the seams on the iron rail? Well, actually, the worst part is the top. Okay. And I guess it's because the uh, spouting was overflowing the other 
well, it happened more than once, I guess, but we had a lot of icicles the other year, and uh, I guess when that all melted, that was hard on the top of the railing. Okay. So well, really, that's the worst part of the railing is the top. Okay, and that's easy then. Well, what you want to do, and you're on the right track, you want to sand this down and remove all the loose rust scale that you have. Right. And you want to use a, a good primer on top of that, a rust-inhibitive primer. Then you want to spot prime the rail. If you're painting it black again, spot prime just those places, and then go back and put a final finish coat over the top of it, and you should have a good performing rail and paint job for a long period of time. And what kind of paint did you say to use on the top? Most today will be water-based paints. You can still obtain an enamel, and I would be working with an enamel paint. If you if you have a local paint supplier that's still carrying oil-based enamel, that's what I'd be using there. But you want to start out with a good rust-inhibitive primer, and that should perform very well for you. Okay. Thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Carolyn, thanks. We do appreciate your call. And don't forget, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or email questions to KenTheContractor.com. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. And don't forget, if you're looking for helpful home improvement advice, join us each week right here. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.